Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Praise God. Hallelujah. Good to be here. Amen. On this uh, final night, uh, had a couple of people tell me, man, it's already Thursday night. Uh, that's good. When revivals go fast like that, I've been in some meetings that, uh, what, it's barely Monday. God help us. Amen. And so uh, I'm glad to, to have been here this week. I'm also glad to be going home tomorrow. Amen. Praise God. I, uh, I miss mama. Amen. First uh, Kings chapter number 19 uh, is uh, going to be my uh, text tonight. And I'm going to hop around a little bit here. Amen. But before I get into uh, chapter 19, I want to take you back to chapter 18, what's happening. He is, this is a, uh, a time in the uh, period in the history of the, of the uh, people of God. It's a very dark period, amen. Uh, they are under the, uh, the rulership of King Ahab, and uh, King Ahab is married to a woman named Jezebel. And Jezebel is a worshiper of Baal, and she has turned the heart of the king away from the living God and towards the false gods. And the problem, amen, is that this uh, has bled into the entire nation, amen. And, and so here the people, amen, have turned away from God, and they are worshiping a false god. But thank God that there is an Elijah of God. Hallelujah. Elijah, 
is a man of God. He steps on the scene. Amen. He challenges the people of God. He says, how long will you halt between two opinions? He says, how long, amen, are you going to play this little game? When are you going to either got to get in or you got to get out? Oh, come on, somebody. You either got to be, you either got to be cold or you got to be hot. Come on now. Glory to God. And so then he challenges the prophets of Baal. He says, bring them fools out here. And he issues out a challenge. He says, I tell you, this is what we'll do. Let's build an altar. And you put your sacrifice on the altar. And let's cry out to God. And whosoever God responds and answers with fire, then that's the God that is to be worshipped and served. And, uh, you know, Elijah, being the gentleman that he was, said to the prophets of Baal, ladies first. And so the prophets of Baal, amen, begin to, you know, they build this altar. They begin, they, 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 they begin to call upon their gods, um, and they're, they're crying out, Oh, Baal, hear us. Uh, oh, Baal, hear us. Uh, and nothing's happening. Amen. Uh, and, uh, and here is Elijah. He's just chilling, you know, kicking back, watching this thing. He starts mocking them. I like Elijah. He's mocking him. Amen. He says, ah, where, where, where is he? Maybe he's on vacation. Uh, maybe he's, uh, you know, on a, uh, maybe he's text messaging right now. You know, he, where, where is he? Amen. Nothing happens. Uh, then Elijah steps on the scene and, and he, uh, he says, let's rebuild this altar. Amen. And they build up the altar. Uh, he says, let's b- dig a trench around it. Let's make it hard. Amen. Fill the trench with water uh, and fill, amen, the altar with water and uh, the sacrifice with water, the wood, everything, man, drench it with water. Uh, amen. And, and let's make this thing hard. And once they do that, he cries out to God. Uh, amen. He says, oh, God. I know that you hear me. And he cries out. And immediately fire comes down from heaven and burns up, amen, the sacrifice. Licks up the water that's in the trench, amen. And then he looks at the the prophets. He says, all right, waste them. And they wasted them. And that would have been wonderful, because right after that, amen, he called upon God and water came down from, it hadn't rained for three and a half years, amen. They were in a severe drought and God sends water and victory is in the house. And it would have been wonderful if it would have ended there. But unfortunately, it did not end there. After chapter 18 is chapter, hey, you got it. So the problem is that Jezebel was not around, right? She was out visiting her, 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 her mama, the devil. I, I don't know. She was, uh, she was away. And she comes back, and, and Ahab, the Bible says in verse 1, told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that he arose and he went for his life and he came to Beersheba where he uh, which belongs to Judah and left his servant there let's go over to uh, verse 9 and he came there unto a cave and he lodged there and behold the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him what are you doing here Elijah 
And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, or, or zealous is how the new King James has it, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and slain the prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Verse number 13, it came, and it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle, went out and stood at the entering in of the cave, and behold, there came a voice to him again, amen, and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said again, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and slain the prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you come, anoint Hazael to be king over Assyria, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shall you anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, uh, of, uh, and uh, you shall anoint to be prophet in your room, and it shall come to pass that he that escapes the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay, and him that escapes the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me, I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. Hallelujah. Now in our text, amen, the Bible tells us that uh, now Elijah, after this powerful victory, he's on the run. And he's not just on the run. He's, uh, he's, he's running like a, like a scared little girl. He's running for his life. He doesn't want to live. He wants to die. He's feeling sorry for himself. He's sitting in the cave. And God comes to him. Amen. And he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he talks about being zealous which literally means the word zeal or zealous, amen, uh, literally means heat or fire. Oh, come on, somebody. Amen. And he's talking about, you know, when we talk about fire or being on fire, uh, what we mean, uh, what he is saying, I have been very zealous. I have been on fire for you. I have been very passionate and intense. Oh, God, give us men and women that are passionate and intense about the God they serve. See, in America, we're very passionate about many things, aren't we? We're passionate about our sports teams. We're passionate about food, barbecue, taquitos. Come on now. Nothing wrong with that. Hallelujah. One man said that the core problem in America is not that we're too passionate about bad things, but that we are not passionate enough about good things. Oh, come on, somebody. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 12 and verse 49, Jesus said, I came to send fire on the earth. Oh, how I wish that it were already kindled. In Matthew 3 and verse 11, John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. 
water, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Oh, come on, somebody. And in Hebrews 1 and verse 7, the Bible says he makes his angel spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. See, our call is to be on fire for God. Amen. Listen, you don't have to know everything to be passionate. Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. But you need to be passionate about what you do know. Or maybe I should say whom you do know. Come on, somebody. Well, I don't know, Pastor. I don't know a whole lot. I'm kind of new, kind of wet behind the ears. Well, what do you know? Because when I got saved, you know, the very next day, I didn't know nothing. All I knew was that I used to be something, and now I'm something altogether different. And I was passionate about that. And anybody that heard me, I told them. Amen. Glory to God. Our call is to be on fire. It was Albert Einstein who said, I have no special talents. I'm only passionately curious. And I tell you, man, that's what we need to be. You don't got to have any talent. Thank God, amen, for people that have gifts, people that can sing and play instruments. But I'm here to tell you, amen, you don't have to have any special talent to be on fire for God. You don't have to have any special knowledge to be on fire for God. You don't have to be a theologian or a Bible scholar to be on fire for God. You can be a, a brand new convert or an old, old saint and be on fire for Jesus. Hallelujah. So I want to preach a message that I've entitled simply, Man on Fire. And I want to preach to you, first of all, about the reverberations of fire. Listen, you can't just go around saying you're on fire for God. I'm on fire. I'm on fire. Anybody can say that. Amen. I've met religious folks uh, that say they're on fire for God. I've met people, amen, that uh, they swing from chandeliers and they say they're on fire for God. They hop around and they say they're on fire for God. Amen. You can't just say you're on fire for God. It's not just an emotion, but it has to be something that is reflected and reverberating in the immediacy of your life. In other words, in the arena of your personal life and how you handle yourself and how you witness and how you do whatever it is you do for God. Hallelujah. Elijah didn't just talk about fire. I'm on fire. He didn't just show up, amen, uh, uh, to the, you know, uh, where they were doing all this junk. He didn't just show up and say, hey, you know who I am? I'm Elijah. I'm on fire. Mm -mm. He didn't just say he was on fire. He brought down the fire. Oh, come on, somebody. I said he, y'all ain't hearing me. I said he brought down the fire. Glory to God. He didn't just talk about it. He brought it down. Amen. Down to where we live. That's where I need the fire. Down to where I live. Amen. So let's talk about this passion. Because that's what it means to be on fire for God. To be passionate. 
to be intense. I've seen some preacher. I've had some preacher friends, man. They're pretty passionate about their food. They're more passionate about their food, amen, than they are about their preaching. They're eating. They work up a sweat. <laughs> but when they preach, I'm just saying, <clears throat> oh, come on, somebody. Amen. I had somebody tell me one time, you know, it used to be said about James Brown that he was the uh, hardest working man in show business. And this, it was a preacher friend of mine. He said, you got to be the hardest working preacher in our fellowship. I don't know about that, but I tell you, amen, I like to get excited about Jesus. Amen. I like to get passionate about the Lord. Is there anything wrong with that? Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Again, I'm not just talking about emotion. I'm not just talking about, you know, uh, uh, acting all kind of crazy. Glory to God. But I'm talking about something, a passion that is practical, an intensity of life, an intensity of service for God. In Romans 12, verse 11, the Bible says, Be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. If you're going to serve the Lord, let it be with a fervency. Let it be with a fire. Let it be with an intensity and a passion. Glory to God. See, some folks don't like this kind of preaching. Amen? I've had people criticize me before. Amen. You know what I say? That's what I say. Amen. Glory to God. See, Paul encourages us that if we're going to serve the Lord, let us do it with a fervency, with a fire, a passion, something that is real, that will affect, amen, not just your life, but those around you. See, one of those reverberations is that it will affect your thinking towards others. Amen. Psalms 23, verse, uh, Proverbs 23, verse 7. The Bible says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So it's important what you think, right? It's important the thoughts uh, that you process in your mind. Our thinking really does affect uh, our lives. That's what the scripture says. Your thinking, the way that you think, the way that you process things in your mind will affect, as a man thinketh, so is he. It will affect you personally. It will affect the way you look at yourself, and it will affect the way that you look at others. It will affect the way that you look at the people of God. It will affect, oh, come on, somebody, the way that you look at your pastor and leaders, amen, in your church. Glory to God. Now let me ask you something. Because I wonder if tonight as we are gathered here, are we on fire towards each other? I mean the good kind of fire? Come on somebody, because there's a bad kind of fire too. Amen. Are we passionate about each other? About the saints of God? Are we passionate about our pastor? Are we excited about her? Do we get excited when our pastor gets up and he begins to bring it? Oh, come on now. And instead of you sitting there saying, well, he's just talking to me. Oh, come on, somebody. You know, the Bible talks about this. Amen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 6 and 7, Paul is commending the Corinthian Christians and he talks about their fervent mind. He says about your fervent mind towards me. Oh, come on, somebody. He says, I appreciate your zeal towards me. You know, one church that I pastored, I won't say where, but many years ago, 
There was a young woman in my congregation. She literally told me, I'm embarrassed to bring my friends to church, Pastor. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. That vote of confidence. Can you imagine that? Some of you are thinking, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is what she told me. Amen. This, it, it, you know that it bothers me because I tell my church all the time, and I'll, anybody, especially people that are under my ministry, I'll, you know what I say? I'll fight and I'll die for you. Oh, come on now. You know, we have in our, in our church, we have all kinds of groups. Everybody's, everybody's uh, Dr. Dre, you know. And so everybody wants to rap. And some of them, they really can't rap. <laughs> they can't sing either. But they want to do something for God. And you know what I do when they get up and minister? It hurts my ears sometimes. But you know what I do? I say, come on, bring it, bring it. And people get saved. Hallelujah. I don't say, oh, man, I hope nobody comes to the concert scene. This is embarrassing. <laughs> oh, come on, somebody. Amen. Are your thoughts zealous about the things of God, about the people of God, about the work of God? It will affect your thinking. Secondly, uh, amen, uh, it will affect your prayer life. The book of James chapter 5 and verse 16, it talks about the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. Oh, come on, somebody. It's not just any prayer. It's an effectual fervent prayer, a zealous prayer. I'm not talking about praying loud. Amen. It has more to do than, you know, the volume of your prayer. Oh, come on, somebody. It's talking about a passion, a real fire. Amen. A real faith. Hallelujah. See, fervent prayer. Amen is talking about praying effectually and effectively availing much. Fervent prayer involves two things, two kinds of two 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 aspects of faith. First of all, it involves a faith prayer. You know, you know how you can know that you're praying on fire for God, that your prayers are are zealous for God. Amen. When you don't just ask. You don't just ask. Oh, come on somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. See, what is faith prayer? Faith prayer, beloved, is prayer that doesn't just ask but commands. It is prayer that says. It is prayer that claims. It is prayer that confesses. It is prayer that speaks things into existence. Matthew 17 and verse 20, Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, you will not Ask this mountain. You will not plead with this mountain. He says you will say to this mountain. You will command and speak and claim this mountain to be removed. Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. You know, when I was told that I had a brain tumor, and you know, I have to qualify that. Some of you may question that because you actually have to have a brain. <laughs> to have a brain tumor but you know I remember when I told my mama my mama said let's have a prayer meeting that's what she did and, and she says you're coming over to your brother's house I said alright mom and I went over to my mama's, uh, my brother's house, and there's uh, my brothers, several of them, two of them that are saved, uh, my sister, her husband, uh, and uh, my mama, and my sister's-in-law, and a few other uh, stragglers that walked in, uh, amen, and, and man, they got a, they, they, they got a, they, they had me in the middle, I felt like I was getting jumped, you know, 
They had me in the middle, and all kind of hands were on me. And they were praying, amen, all of them. And I'll never forget when my mama was done praying, she said, in the name of Jesus, you are healed. And she looked at me right in the eye, and she said, it is done. She didn't say, uh, go check yourself. Uh, go to, you know, I'm not saying that we don't do that, but uh, you understand what I'm saying. Mama looked at me. She said, it's done. Está hecho. Ya estuvo. Hallelujah. Amen. It will affect true zeal and fire. It will affect your prayer life. It is a faith prayer. Secondly, it is a faithful prayer. See, when you're on fire for God, you will continue in prayer. It's a continuity, a longevity, a what happened to praying it through? Oh, come on, somebody. What happened to praying it through? What happened to God's people contending a week after week? And even when you don't see the answer, next month you're still praying. Next year you're still praying. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm here to tell you, my wife and I begin to pray for her family because none of her family was saved. We begin to pray and contend for them year after year after year after year. And finally, they begin to get saved today, two of my sisters in law their husbands are pastoring churches they're saved and filled with the holy ghost oh come on somebody hallelujah you know in my church for the last eight years or so every monday we fast all day and then we meet in the evening to pray 6 30 and uh, we've been doing that for years i told my church a long time ago when we began this i said look uh, from now on this is going to be one of our weekly services what? Another one? I said, this is what we're going to be doing every, every Monday. Amen. And, uh, of course, right away I begin to hear, you know, some criticism. Uh, you know, some, well, you know, that's, that, don't you think that's kind of ritualistic? That's kind of religious, don't you think? No, you're kind of religious. Oh, come on, somebody. Listen, I know that I need to pray effectively and I need to pray effectually. And if I'm going to do that, it's got to be a fervent prayer and fervent prayer, beloved, amen, is faithful prayer. It's prayer that prays it through. It's prayer that does not take no for an answer. Come on, somebody. It's prayer that fights it through. Glory to God. That's intensity. Amen. It will affect your love. Zeal and fire will. Amen? You can't be going around saying you're on fire for God and you hate your brother. I'm on fire for Jesus. I can't stand him, but I love Jesus. Uh, oh, come on, somebody. I know how it is in some churches. I know how it is in my church. We got the east siders and the west siders, they say. There's folks, amen, that sit in opposite places. Oh, come on, somebody. See, the Bible speaks of this in 1 Peter 4 and verse 8. He says, and above all things, have 
fervent love one for another. For this kind of love will cover a multitude of sins. Oh, come on, somebody. You can't just say, I love. There's got to be a fervent love. The kind of love that is willing to overlook faults. The kind of love that is quick to forgive. Oh, come on, somebody. The kind of love that is willing to sacrifice for one another. Hallelujah. Do you have fervent, on-fire love for the people of God, for the lost, for the new converts, for those that are struggling, for the backslider? Amen? Because that kind of love, again, will cover a multitude of sins. It will bear others' burdens. It will overlook their imperfections. And above all, it will welcome them into our hearts and into our lives and into our homes. Amen. Glory to God. So I want to talk to you secondly about the relapse of this fire. And by relapse, I mean moving back to a former condition where you shouldn't be. Amen. In the, in the book of Revelations chapter 3, Amen. Jesus is speaking to the churches, and here he addresses, amen, the Laodicean church. In verse 16, he says, you are lukewarm, amen, and neither cold nor hot, but because you are lukewarm, he says, I will vomit you out of my mouth. I will spew you out of my mouth. See, the Laodiceans had lost their fire. See, you can be in an on-fire church and lose your fire. You can be under Holy Ghost preaching and lose your fire. Come on, somebody. Amen. Here is Elijah. God comes to him, and he says, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah says twice, he says, I have been very zealous for you, God. Oh, come on now. Now notice he says, I have been been past tense he says I used to be on fire for you Lord I used to be stirred and passionate and intense about this past tense I've lost something oh come on somebody see one day he's calling down fire from heaven at his fingertips boom fire comes down and the next day he's saying I used to be on fire I used to be zealous. There was a time. Oh, come on now. There's some of you here sitting here. Oh, there was a time. You were on fire for God. You were so passionate. Amen. Now the question is how do we lose that fire? How do we lose that passion? How do we lose that zeal, that intensity? What happened to Elijah? There's three things I want you to consider. First of all, I want you to consider the power of words. Amen. You know, <clears throat> people ask me all the time, Pastor Martinez, have you always preached like that? Pretty much. You know, I mean, I can't remember a time I didn't. You know, I mean, when I was a new convert, I preached that way. Nobody told me when I got sent out, okay, now you got to tone it down, Rick, because now you're uh, el pastor. And no, nobody ever told me that. I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? I just took it, and that's, yeah, yeah. If you ask me, people ask me, do, do you preach like that at, in your home church? No, no, at, at home I preach like Joel Osteen. I smile a lot. I would do that, but I got yellow teeth. 
I don't whiten my teeth. Let me throw that one out there again. <laughs> Amen. Now listen. <clears throat> because, I mean, I've had people tell me outright, man, I, I don't like your preaching. I've, I've had letters written to me. Oh, come on, somebody. I've had, listen, I've had one time I was preaching somewhere in California, and uh, we had a visitor. We had several visitors, but there was one guy in particular, and the pastor, he's all happy to see, you know, pastors are happy to see visitors. So he goes up to this guy with a big old smile on his face. God bless you. Thanks for coming. How'd you like the service? He says, I hated it. <laughs> well, it wasn't the service he hated. He hated me. He gave him a migraine. I, I don't know what happened, but he, you know what I'm saying? And so if you're not careful... And I'll be lying to you if I say that that has not affected me. You know, I've had to step back and say, God, maybe I ought to tone it down a little bit. You know, maybe I, you know, just preach a little more, I don't normal. I don't know. I don't know what normal is. I don't. Because what's normal to one preacher is not normal to another. Oh, come on, somebody. We all have our gift and we all have our style. But listen to me, if we're not careful, amen, we begin to listen to the criticisms. This is exactly what happened to Elijah, amen. Jezebel began to make some threats. Oh, come on, somebody, amen. All she had to do was begin to speak some words. And if we're not careful, church, the words and the opinions and the criticisms of other people will have the ability to take away our edge and to stifle our zeal amen and secondly there's the power of worldliness amen many of God's people lose their fire because they open the door and let way too much of the world in oh come on somebody you know I think about this man you come to church you know a few times a week in a regular schedule you come Sunday morning Sunday night, Wednesday night, you know, and each, 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 each message is probably around 45 minutes average or so. Unless Rick Martinez is preaching, then you're going about two hours. But think about this. You get 45 minutes every service, and then you go home and you watch. What do you, uh, the, the, what do you call it? The, the devil vision. <laughs> Come on now. I mean, you, you, you watch this junk for hours and hours and hours, amen, and, and then you wonder what happened to the fire. You get in your car and you start listening to this garbage, amen, and then you wonder what happened to your fire. You're reading things you ought not to read and you're wondering what happened to your fire. And this is the power of the world, beloved. It will take the edge off of your life. It will, oh, come on, somebody. It will take the cutting edge. It will steal the fire, the zeal, and the intensity. 2 Timothy 4.10. The Bible says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Something happened to Demas. Demas was a fellow minister of the gospel. On fire for God, working miracles in the name of Jesus. Amen? But worldliness was allowed into his life. Then there is the power of wickedness. I'm talking about sin in our hearts, beloved. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm talking about letting in the darkness. 
of sin into your life. You know, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 4, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, in verse number 4, he talks about you are not in darkness, right? He, he makes this comment, the Apostle Paul, he says, you are not in darkness. And just a few verses later, he says, quench not the Spirit. He says, listen, don't quench the fire of the Holy Ghost. And he says, first, he says, you are not in darkness. Don't let darkness in. Don't let wickedness in. Don't allow sin into your life. Amen. I know we ain't perfect, but the Bible says in Romans chapter 6 that sin shall not have dominion over us. Amen. So let's talk about the regaining of this fire. See, the wonderful news here is that Elijah did not remain in that condition. Amen. He ran for his life. He hid in a cave. And he was in darkness. The fire was gone. The light was gone. The warmth was gone. Come on, somebody. Amen. But he did not remain in that condition. He regained his zeal for the Lord. Glory to God. See, that's the good news, beloved, is that we don't have to stay lukewarm. We don't have to stay cold. We can regain the fire. We can regain the passion. We can regain the intensity and the zeal of God. But the question is how? Now I'll tell you right now, amen, this fire was not self-concocted you know uh elijah didn't go borrow a big lighter from his servant let's try this amen this was not something he tried to manufacture i've seen some preachers that, that try to manufacture a visitation of god they try to manufacture the fire of god oh i'm here to tell you beloved if you ain't got it you ain't got it it's like the anointing you know i don't really i can't explain the anointing but i know when somebody ain't got it amen oh come on somebody hallelujah you can shout all you want Amen. And so what is it that Elijah did? What is it that we must do? Well, he got his fire from God. That's where we need to get our fire back from, church. Amen. If you listen, let me tell you something. Maybe some of you, you were, you're thinking, okay, man, we, we're having revival this week. I'm going to get it back in this revival. There's nothing wrong with that. Amen. But if that's what you're waiting for, see, I can't give you that fire. Oh, come on, somebody. That fire comes directly from heaven. When Elijah cried out, amen, he didn't, he didn't ask some of the brothers to bring a torch and fire this baby up. No, no, no. He cried out to the God of heaven. He said, Lord, open the heavens. Send down your fire and answer my prayer. Glory to God. He got his fire from God. It always goes back to God. So first of all, we must go back to the altar of God. Amen. I guarantee you, you stop coming to the altar, you will soon lose the fire. Oh, come on, somebody. See, here's, this is a real issue. And some folks, you know, you, this may, may rub you the wrong way. And maybe you're getting offended right now. Well, you know, my knees are bad, you know. Oh, come on, somebody. Yeah, preachers, it's all right, I'm gone tonight. After tonight, I'm out of here. It's up to Pastor Campbell if he wants to come have me back. But listen, you know, 
I've seen this happen too many times, man. Folks just, you know, hey, man, I went to the altar and I got saved. So that's all there is to it. I mean, you know, the, the, the Bible tells us in the Old Testament, man, they built a permanent altar. In the book of Hebrews, uh, the Bible says we also have an altar. Oh, come on, somebody. Glory to God. We must go back to the altar. Amen. I tell you, man, you come back to the altar and that fire will be reignited. I mean, you know, the, the classic example of this, of course, is Isaiah chapter number 6. What a, what a powerful scripture. Here's Isaiah, man. He's in the temple, right? He's in the house of God. He's in God's presence. and The glory of God descends in that place. Amen. And you know, when the presence of God shows up, it ought to be a time of rejoicing, right? Can somebody say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. You see, it's a time of rejoicing. But listen, here's Isaiah. He can't rejoice. Oh, come on now. Because something's wrong. Something's amiss in his life. Amen. The Bible says that in the presence of the Lord, there is conviction. And the conviction gets a hold of him. And he looks at himself. And instead of saying, thank you, Jesus, he says, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. Oh, come on, somebody. And what does God do? He sends an angel, and the angel goes straight to the altar. Hello. And he picks up one of them, them burning fiery coals. Oh, come on, somebody. Straight from the altar. He didn't bring the fire from somewhere. He went straight to the altar and brought, amen, that burning fiery coal and touched the lips of Isaiah and set him a fire for God. Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. We need to get back to the altar, church. We must go back, secondly, to God's disciplines. Amen. Prayer. Listen. Prayer is powerful. I know I preached on it the other day, but prayer is powerful. There's no way that any man or woman will emerge the same person after being in a time of prayer. The Word of God. we got to get back into the world. Rather, let the Word of God get back in you. Amen. See, there's something about when you get back into God's Word. And I'm not just talking about skimming over it. I'm not just talking about a surface reading. I'm I'm talking about seeking God's Word and hungering and thirsting for the bread of life. Oh, come on, somebody. Amen. Listen, in Luke 24 and verse number 32, here's the disciples on their way to Emmaus, right? And Jesus, the resurrected Christ, appears to them. But their eyes were blinded where they couldn't recognize the Lord. They had lost the fire. They had lost their faith. They had lost their hope. But the Lord began to minister to them. And then at some point their eyes were open and they recognized and realized it was Jesus. And then afterwards they said to each other, they said, did we not feel our hearts our spirits burn within us when he spoke those words to us oh glory to god see the word of god will set you afire jeremiah chapter number 20 here's a preacher you know sometimes preachers go through rough times sometimes preacher i listen i've had people ask me you ever feel like quitting Mm, what day Amen. 
Oh, yeah. There's been many times, amen, where I say, you know what, forget this noise. I, I, I can go drive a truck or dig a ditch or <laughs> be a street pharmacist. No, just kidding. <clears throat> but listen, here's Jeremiah. <clears throat> he comes to the point where he don't even want to preach no more. Oh, man, I've been there. I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt, not a good feeling. Amen. He said to himself, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name, but, oh, thank God, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. Oh, come on, somebody. Glory to God. When the word of God is in you, amen, it'll set you ablaze. And lastly, we must go back to the business of God. And that is, what is God's business? The souls and the destinies of others. There's nothing more powerful than doing something for God and touching souls, changing lives and destinies. Amen? People who were on their way to hell rescued, amen, because somebody reached out to them. Amen? Glory to God. Listen. In verse 15 through 17, then the Lord said to him, right? After he says, you know what, Elijah, shut up. He says, stop your complaining. He says to him, then the Lord said, go, go. Now that sound familiar? Go. Go ye into all the world. Go ye and preach this gospel. Amen. Go and return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazael, anoint Jehu, anoint Elisha. He's commissioning him. He's saying, let's get back to business, Elijah. Let's get back to work. Let's get back to what matters. If you want to regain that fire, get back on outreach. If you want to, oh, come on, somebody. If you want to regain that fire, get with some brothers and go street preaching. If you want to regain that fire, get involved with follow-up and touch lives. Glory to God. Change somebody's destiny. Glory to God. Consider the results as I close. The results of this fire. There was a Gallup poll that was done not long ago. 13,000 people were surveyed and uh, it was uh, they were people who used to go to church. They were Christians but no longer were going, attending a church. And there was a number of questions, amen, that they were asking these people in this survey. But one of the questions was, what would need to happen for you to return to church? What would you need to see happen in the church if, there was, if you stand a chance of going back? And the number one answer was, we want to see passion in the lives of the members and the leaders. If I could see, because see, passion is powerful, man. Passion is powerful. It's not just emotion. It's not just shouting and screaming and jumping. Passion is an intensity of life. You believe this. You preach with conviction. You witness with conviction. You pray with conviction. Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. And this is what the world is looking for. This is what backsliders oftentimes need to see. Those that are discouraged and have walked away from the house of God. Those that have been disappointed and disillusioned by the hypocrisy and the junk that they seen. What they're looking for is real passion and real intensity in the lives of God's people. Glory to God. 
See, the church and the people of God must be on fire if we're going to impact the world. That's the reason why our fellowship has been able to touch so many nations and so many cities. It's incredible because there's passion. You all heard about the story about the man who lived in a little town and the, the local church building, amen, had gone up in flames and he's running over there, amen, and somebody stopped him. They said, hey, where are you going so fast? He says, didn't you hear, man, the, fire, the church is burning and I ain't never seen a church on fire before. I got to see this for myself. The advice, amen, that one preacher gave to other preachers was set yourself on fire and people will come and see you burn. And I'm here to tell you, man, that a church on fire, people will come. People will come, man. They, if they see that intensity. I was talking to my wife uh, last night <clears throat> and, uh, and I asked her, I said, honey, well, how, was, how was church? She said it was packed. They had to put out extra rows. She says 11 people were saved last night. Just a regular Wednesday night service. And I started asking her. I said, well, who, who all was there? What people got saved? And she said, well, you know, it was so-and-so brought so-and-so, and that person brought so-and-so, and that person brought... And that's how it was. It was like a chain link. Somebody saw something real in somebody, and they said, I got to go see that. And somebody else saw that, and they said, well, I got to go see that too. And somebody else saw that. And that's what happened last night, and we had 11 precious souls saved. Amen. This is powerful, saints. I'm telling you, this is what the world needs. And again, I'm not talking about emotion. I'm not. If you want to get emotional, that's fine. I got no problem with that. But it's, it better be more than emotion. It, oh, come on, somebody. You can't just shout all day Sunday and sin all day Monday. Oh, come on, somebody. It's got to be real. If you're going to shout on Sunday, you better be shouting on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and again on Sunday. Glory to God. Hallelujah. See, there is such a need. In this generation, I appreciate the Chandler Church. I have preached here many, many, many times. Uh, I think the first time I ever preached here was uh, uh, back in the 90s, in the earlier mid-90s sometime. And I have come time and again. And one of the things that I greatly appreciate about this church, amen, is there's always been fire. There's always been passion. There's always been an excitement. Every time I see new converts, this time I see a whole bunch of new converts, amen. A lot of new folks, and that's a wonderful thing, amen. I'm telling you, saints, this, it, but, but it's a personal thing. It's not just a church thing. It's a personal thing. Elijah was a man on fire. Yes, he lost it. But he regained it, and he went up in chariots of fire. Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah! In chariots of fire. He died like he lived. That's how I want to go. I want to go in a blaze, glory to God, on fire for God. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.